This podcast tells the stories behind the craft breweries across the country. I'm Erica. Matt. And sound guy Ryan. And you're listening to an episode of Brewers. Oh, I guess we're live. Hey, hey, everybody. Cool. Here we are. Um, If you guys are listening to this, I'm assuming you're listening it on your way to our event tonight. Dun, dun, dun. Hell yeah. Or if you're listening it on your morning commute, uh, you have just a couple hours to go to our event tonight. And where is our event, guys? You have guys? plenty of time to figure that out. It is at East Regiment Brewing Co. Yeah. in Salem, Massachusetts. And why are we having an event? 100th episode, yo. The episode you yo. guys are listening to today is our 100th episode. Hell yeah. What that means is we spent a lot of time over the last three and a half years getting semi-good at doing podcasting. Just semi-good. I would eh. argue against that, but hey, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's like exceptionally good. Exceptionally good. All right. So what's going on tonight, which is Friday, February 7th, you guys will be able to go to East Regiment. You'll be able to not only drink their amazing beer, you'll be able to drink an amazing beer that we made with them. Ryan, tell us about this beer a little bit. The beer that we did with them is an ESB. Um, The the name that is going around right now is Extra Sexy Bathtub Beer. Uh, (laughs) That's the actual (laughs) name. I have yet to hear that one, actually. Surprise, Erica. I'm just very excited to hear my parents say that name tonight. Um, no, it, it, it's a really uh, good beer. Matt and I tried it tonight. Uh, nope, we didn't. We tried it on Wednesday, Ryan. A couple oh, days yeah, ago. That's right. Yeah. A couple days ago. Um, <laughs> God, it, it was Ryan. Re- yeah, it was really good. Uh, and 10% of the proceeds are going to go to the Australian Fire. Yeah, so that's 10% relief. of the beer sales. Yep. Um, we're also going to have a donation jar there. Yep. Um, and not only that, I'm so excited because I love this place. And I talk this place up almost more than I talk up any other breweries. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Almost. We're going to have po' boys and pies there, and they're going to be tossing up some dumplings. Uh, they're going to be having some sweets, and like their food's amazing. The beer at East Regiment's amazing, and we're excited to celebrate 100 episodes. Um, Super excited. And this episode today is not the typical crappy sitcom 100th episode episode where they do flashbacks and they talk about all the things that they're sentimental about um no this episode we're going balls to the wall like this we went hard with this episode and we got fucking alchemist hell yeah oh yeah um and we got uh john and jen and honestly like we probably would not have been able to do this up this episode like two years ago so Big shout out to Ryan and Erica yeah. for making this like happen. Pretty excited. That is the only sentimental I'm going to get on this because I'm so Aww. excited for this episode this week because yeah. it's amazing and it's just so freaking cool that we're able to get Alchemist. Like, yeah. Also, like one time I gave someone forty bucks for a four pack of Hetty Topper, so it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we were all there at one point. Like Hetty Topper was the beer to get, and still is. Like, yeah, that, I had one the other day, cracked it open, and I was like fuck this is why i loved ipas and then i I went to the liquor store later that day and i was like got some seltzers i don't want mango (laughs) no i was like i was like i love i love heady topper it's such a good beer right and then you see like these juice bombs blah 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 blah, diabetes beers yeah i just i don't get it yeah and i know there i know our listeners out here are like rolling their eyes matt you're such an elitist asshole go drink your lagers and shut the fuck up <laughs> well speaking you know of what? Hedy, but i will Thanks. right <laughs> speaking of heady and this is something you're going to hear in the episode 
All right, get this. They brew 9,000 barrels a year of Heady Topper. And then they do 5,000 barrels of Focal Banger. And then about three to 4,000 of everything else. Yeah. I mean, they have so, a dedicated site. Like, you're going to hear yeah. a lot of this on the episode. Yeah. But um, I was just, it's a cool episode. So we're excited to get to that. But before we do so, we have some pink boots for you guys. Dun, 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 pink boots. Yeah. So it is a new month. We got new uh, scholarships. Pretty exciting. Uh, so we got UC Davis, Intensive Brewing Science for Practical Brewing Course, um, Crafting a Strategy, One Year Membership, Road to Cicerone Courses, which is really cool because I'm actually already doing that on my own. Highly recommend. Learn a ton about uh, beer in general and just styles of beer. Oh, yeah. I saw you doing that grain exercise. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. You're famous, too. We'll yeah. talk about that yeah. in a second, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a White Labs Yeast Essentials 2.0 course and a ASU Brewing Short Course online. Cool. Um, make sure you apply because it's awesome. Boston Chapter, I believe, has like two or four uh, scholarships just for Boston alone. So... You'd be silly to do it, yeah. not to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, Erica, talk about your Cicerone stuff, because I was all of a sudden on Facebook. Were you? And then I see Erica, and I was like, oh, shit, she joined another. She didn't join another <laughs> podcast. No, it was, you were mentioned on the Cicerone. Yeah, I was mentioning on the newsletter for yeah. funsies, because I was posting about my Cicerone uh, stuff. I'm doing the... Um, uh, the, like a brewing intensive course right now just talks about um all the ingredients in brewing and then i think next is going to talk about the actual process of brewing right yeah. now i'm just kind of refreshing myself on all this jazz uh i'm gonna do hops next uh it's really cool so you just buy some ingredients they give you like a rundown of, a little laundry list yeah a little laundry list of what to buy and they have different uh activities for you to do where you try the grains. Um, you kind of steep them at one point to kind of get the aromas. Uh, for the hops, you're going to do more aroma exercises as well. And So it's cool. pretty hands-on. Yeah, it's really hands-on, yeah. which is just a really fun way to learn. And where did you get the, the grain? Ooh, good question. I got it from Beer and Wine Hobby. Ooh. Because Ooh. I, I just want to say, because it was the first thing I said to Guy before you ended up uh, coming in. Guy is Erica's uh, boyfriend. Da-da-da. da da Surprise. <laughs> um, hey, Guy, what up? They were really, really nice, full grain. Like, it wasn't any, yeah. like, shredded shit um, well, that you sometimes see. But it looked really, really quality. Like, there was full yeah. full husks and everything. It was really, really nice. Cool. They, they taste really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Cicero and stuff's awesome. It and is. it's just going to make you like a better addition to the team. Duh. Not that you weren't already, but I just like your knowledge. Totes. That's the plan, man. Yeah. Um, so excited, obviously, for our 100th episode. Uh, so I think we're just going to get right to it. But again, uh, we are celebrating our 100th episode party tonight dun, dun. in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, At East Regiment Beer Company. Yeah, it's just easier. Just put that into your Google machine or your iPhone or whatever you have. And uh, get there. It'll square. get there. Uh, there's plenty of parking. I, I don't want to hear anyone say, oh, I couldn't go because Salem has shitty parking. This is like the one location in Salem that has actually good parking. Yeah. And they will not ticket you because the event starts at 7 and ticketing stops at 7. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Um, But anyways. Make sure if you don't go or whatever, even if you can go, like, follow, subscribe, find us on all the socials. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and before we get to the episode, here's a word from our sponsors. Cheers. 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 This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap. Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code BREWROOTS for $5 off your first box. Head on over to shirtsontap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. You looking to get into a new hobby? Oh, yeah. Sure thing. Well, Erica, where can we do that? Go down to Beer and Wine Hobby. Ooh. And what can we get there? Everything you need to start your homebrew journey. And we'll help you along that journey by using our promo code BREWROOTS to get 10% off your next order. Visit beer-wine.com to start your homebrew journey today. All right. Uh, this is probably our earliest interview. It we might say be. That, but we say that almost every time, I feel But it's like. definitely not. But it is the coldest interview we've done. Yeah, yes. it not, was Not in the physical location. Just one this morning. Just outside, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, it's kind of cold. It's kind of. It's a little chilly. Oh. It's, it's brisk. <laughs> is this like brisk for Vermont, or is this like, this is cold? No, this is January, really. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> typical. <laughs> um, and we're here at Alchemist, and yeah. when I first started the podcast... Four years ago, getting Alchemist was kind of like a, a pipe dream for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think you guys would have said yes four years ago, <laughs> and I don't blame you. <laughs> so, um, but uh, thank you for taking some time out of your day. I'm here with uh, John and Jen uh, from Alchemist up in Stowe, Vermont. Thanks. It's great to have you here. Yeah, Woo-hoo. thanks for inviting us. Um, so we start every podcast by asking, what is your first memory of beer and your role at the brewery? My very first memory of beer, I guess, would be my very first beer, which was a uh, Genesee Cream Ale when I was nice. about seven years old with my sisters on a hot summer day. <laughs> um, it was out of boredom, probably. Uh, my sister, Beck, is 10 years older than me, so she would have been like 17, and then my sister, Rach, would have been like 15, which was the prime time for them to for sure. start pulling beers out of the fridge. <laughs> and uh, it was out of a a wax paper Dixie cup <laughs> and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that is usually the story we hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I can remember um, talking to my brothers and they would tell me how refreshing it was to have a beer. They'd come in from cutting the grass and how great that beer was. And I just, it blew my mind because it just did not seem to be a refreshing beverage to me at the time, but that kind of changed over yeah, the years. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what my first memory is of beer, but beer was always around growing up. My parents were just enjoyed beer. Um, I remember going to my parents' wedding when I was five years old. That's when they got married. Um, and there was a big cooler of beer. I think it was Schlitz or something. So probably that, that would be about my earliest. Um, but beer's always been around. I grew up in a town where everyone loved beer. That's what it was. Any roles here? Yeah, any roles. I'm co-owner and... Uh, you know, General manager, CEO. We don't use a lot of fancy yeah. titles, but Doer pretty of many much things. everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, co-owner and head brewer. Cool. Excellent. And everything as well. We really work closely yeah. together on everything. We oh do. My, from oh my goodness, yeah. From the marketing to the human resources. To Has everything. that put a strain on your relationship? I'm always curious when, like, 
Yeah, we get asked that a lot, don't we? Um, but no, not at all. We Good. love working That's together. Awesome. We've always worked together. Okay. We, we met at work. Um, we helped expand other businesses for other people together. We yeah. worked at other places together. So that's all we know. We sit right next to each other. Nice. I think our work ethics were a big part of what attracted each of us to each other as well. Um, you know, when I first met Jen, she had two jobs, worked seven days a week, and turned me down for my first date request <laughs> because she was working. So nice. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have a, a really great working relationship because we can be critical of each other and we're not sensitive, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's really authentic. So we're, we're productive together. No, awesome. I can be sensitive, but I get over it. Kind <laughs> we of get over it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm guessing your first memory of beer didn't spark your interest in beer and form what careers you wanted to spend the rest of your life doing uh what was the original plan for both of you guys the original plan in what sense like what am i gonna do yeah to not starve to death yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i just went you know i went to college and uh got a business degree and my only real goal in life was to be my own boss yeah, I, I was nice. a business major for my first three years and I ended up graduating with a sociology degree because I really didn't feel so passionate about anything. Yeah. I thought I'd go on to a school of public health. I was interested in epidemiology, um, but after college, I ended up traveling around, backpacking, working in restaurants to save money along the way. Um, and I had gone back to the Vermont Pub and Brewery at one point to save some money. Um, and I met John. He had been hired on as the, the brewer and we fell in love and it kind of took off from there yeah where's uh home for both of you uh originally i grew up in vermont about a half hour from here i was born and raised in pittsburgh pennsylvania and moved here when i was 24 wow what was your first dip into beer and was it more of a hobby did someone get you a homebrew set or what happened first dip into making beer um because my first dip into beer was when i was seven right (laughs) and then all the beers that i would steal and drink on the way to the bus in the morning. Um, but that's a different story. My first experience into brewing beer was um, my junior year of college, and I came home for a weekend, and one of my brother-in-laws had been an avid home brewer in the late 70s and early 80s, and he had kind of given it up. He had kids, so he didn't have time to do it anymore, and I found his um, copy of Charlie Papazian's Complete Joy of Home Brewing. And when I picked that up, it just instantly grabbed me. I mean, it was just the first time I ever was um, really interested in uh, in something other than partying. So it was good. Uh, and I came back. He, he bought ingredients for a batch of homebrew. And I came back two weekends later, and we brewed a batch of beer. And that was my first batch. And... Uh, that was it. I was sold. I was hooked. I went back to finish college. I had direction um, for that last year and a half and a little bit of focus, if nice. you could call right. it that. <laughs> My focus really was just getting done yeah. just so I could have that degree and I could go get a job and get money and not be yep. completely broke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, that was in 1991, I think. And then the first time I ever got a paid brewing job was 1995 when I was hired to be the, well, my first paid brewing job was when I was hired to be head brewer at the Vermont Pub and Brewery. Um, Nice. Previous to that, I worked at the Seven Barrel Brewery in West Lebanon, 
um, as a waiter, and I would go in on my days off and work for free in the brewery. So I did that for a year, and then I actually got hired to to make beer and got paid for it. And you were homebrewing the five years or four years up till that point. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I would I would brew while I was in college, but then when I graduated college, I was home for nine months until it. I uh, saved enough money to buy a car and get the heck <laughs> yeah. out, of, out of town. Um, and yeah, I was homebrewing in my parents' house. Yeah. And I would they would leave the house because my mom didn't like the smell. I've yeah. heard that before. Which is fine it, with but... me because because <laughs> then I'd smoke weed and brew beer and <laughs> I'd come home a couple hours Have later and I'd be time. all done. Yeah, it was fun. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jen, did you have any interest in beer uh, pre-John or what was, what was your... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I grew up very interested in beer from a young age, and it wasn't so much the drinking of beer. It was really, I think, the social power of beer. Mm. It was just always around. I was in a working-class town. You know, our family had it at holidays, on the weekends. Yeah. Um, and so I, I loved, you know, getting together with friends and drinking beer. And, you know, right. I think I my freshman year of college, I ended up on um, double-secret probation after a couple of parties nice. entertaining with beer in my dorm room. So Well, after yeah. she got caught with a keg in her dorm room. <laughs> twice. twice. Come on. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Who event- does that? <laughs> Eventually, uh, you know, we did tables at the Vermont Pub and Brewery when I was at college um, and enjoyed beer. Um, after I met John and we started to build this, this dream together, this idea of having a pub, of course I loved the beer. Uh, John made great beer, but I really loved this idea of being able to bring people together, um, having a community pub where people could come and, um, feel like they were welcoming at home. Yeah. So then the dream of Alchemist kind of came about pretty soon for you two. Yeah. Oh, I think right away when yeah. we met. I mean, Jen was managing, well, she was serving, being a bartender, but moved into a management position. And uh, while I was the head brewer, and that was pretty much instantaneous. I mean, I knew right away that someday I wanted to have my own brewery, but I figured I'd be doing it on my own. So yeah. when Jen and I met and she had that passion for it and she was so smart and she did her job so well that she would have, you know, I mean, what a perfect match because all of my weaknesses, you know, a lot of them were her strengths. So worked out nice. Did, yeah, and then we, uh, we spent, gosh, the, we got married, we were 25. We spent the first five, six, six years of our marriage just saving money, working multiple jobs, yeah, um, doing everything, you know, waiting tables, bartending, John carrying bags, cleaning hotel rooms, um, saving as much as we could. And John was also working on recipes, brewing beer um, on a little pilot system, yeah. um, working on recipes. And I was working on financial plan, business plan. Yeah, writing the business plan, constantly tweaking it, um, doing, you know, when we did travel... It always surrounded beer. Uh, we would just see what we liked. You know, we we're both big foodies, so anytime we went out to eat, we we're always looking for cool, interesting places and keeping in mind what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them. The bosses that we had, we, we learned what it means to be a good boss and what it means to be a terrible boss. And, and uh, it was a very formative time in our lives for what we now place so much value in as as uh, employers. You mentioned traveling around and making it beer-centric, your travels. What were some breweries that you maybe went to and said they're doing it right? Or maybe you don't have to mention who was doing it wrong, but I mean, what was something that you were like, 
Who wow. stood out? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have the time to talk about the breweries <laughs> that are doing it wrong. There's too many. Um, <laughs> but when in the early days, I mean, I can remember because, uh, let's see, if we were out west, I remember our trip to California was a, was a really fun trip. Um, we had an excellent time at Bear Republic. Um, Bear Republic's IPAs were, were dynamite. Um, and it was kind of that, that West Coast thing that was yeah. really becoming, uh, coming into it. its own in the, in the late 90s. Um, in Boston, I mean, I can remember going to um, uh, Commonwealth Brewing Company, which was uh, where Paul Saylor came out of that, that um, is now here in Vermont. And, you know... Yeah, I just thinking, I'm just thinking general when we would go to California, it was the beers from California, specifically Northern California, the Pacific Northwest that really, I yeah. think collectively it was like, boy, this is kind of missing from the East Coast, these fresh IPAs. And at the same time, uh, one of my favorites was um, Penn Brewing in Pittsburgh, yeah. which was my, my hometown. And when I was in college and, and uh, finishing college, we would go to Penn Brewing which was, and still is, this really cool uh, brew pub that is in a, an old stone brewery from the 1800s. And at the time, they made predominantly lagers. Um, my mentor and boss, Greg Noonan, at the Vermont Pub and Brewery, literally wrote the book on brewing lager beer. And boy, I mean, their, their lagers were dynamite. Just really dynamite, and their hefeweizen in and stuff like that. So I had a heavily influenced there. I can remember um, having, you know, spending half my paycheck just to afford a case of Sierra Nevada Porter, <laughs> um, yeah. which was hard to find. And I used to have to hunt all over Pittsburgh to find a beer distributor that would even carry Sierra Nevada, let alone their porter. Um, but I have very fond memories of, of drinking that beer as well, which, you know, I mean, these are all long-term, very successful um, leaders in the industry that are still around. And when did Alchemist start again? What year did you open? Uh, 2003. November 2003. of 2003, yep. November oh. 29th. Okay. What was life at Alchemist? And we have to ask you a question about Hetty Topper. What was life <laughs> about Alchemist without before, Hetty Topper? Yeah. There was no Alchemist before Hetty Topper. Yeah. <laughs> no, literally. Uh, Hetty Topper, I first brewed that. We opened in November. I think the first time I brewed it was February. Okay, so it was that um, quick. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It was a very conscious um, process and effort to introduce people into the kind of beers that we like to drink and that yeah. I like to brew. So when we opened... You know, we didn't know how people were going to respond <laughs> to hoppy beers, yeah. like truly hoppy right, beers. Right, right. And thankfully, they, uh, they went nuts for it. So, you know, right off the bat, when I started brewing Hetty, what really, the first thing that told us that uh, we had hit something was how many people were um, cocktail drinkers that didn't drink beer and of all of our beers, Hetty Topper was the one that, really? they, that they zoned in on. That's interesting. So it was surprising to me that something so um, rich and hoppy and everything else would be that one. Yeah. But it also makes perfect sense because it's not about, it's but, about the overall presentation of a flavor. It could, doesn't have to be beer. It could be anything. It could be any type of food, any type of beverage. If it's well-made and an enticing flavor, 
there's there's nothing right. to like get used to. It's right. just delicious. I think the flavor, but I think also the ABV is a part of it, you know, and we we talked about that before we decided to put Hetty Topper in a can. Um, I think those cocktail drinkers, wine drinkers, to have a light beer, feel full and not be satiated. I think to have one good, strong drink, that really appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. Full yeah. of flavor, it fills you up. You know, yep. there is a little alcohol there. Um, and then, you know. For sure. Uh, did Hetty Topper start as a homebrew recipe that was... Nope. Modified, just nope. production Just started always. in the in the pub. Um, I mean the 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 early days when I was working at the Vermont Pub and Brewery, um, I was Greg's head brewer there for just under two years. Uh, I quickly proved myself to him, and so his intense um, oversight eased up pretty quickly within the first year he trusted me to make a lot of decisions on my own and you know he would write the recipes and he would give them to me and then I would go brew them for him um with that said there were many times especially toward the end where I would take his recipe and then I would put my twist on it and 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 do the hopping the way I wanted to do it and not tell him about it until he sat down at the bar and drank it. And then, of course, he would just be in love with it. And I'd say, <laughs> okay, well, this is what I did. Yeah. And he'd just kind of laugh and be like, well, okay, good. Keep doing that. <laughs> right, so right. That was, uh, that was the early part of it. And then in home brewing, sure, I mean, it's pretty easy to uh, be able to afford uh, the hops for a five-gallon batch. Right. It's not going to break the bank. So there was a lot of time to experiment with, with heavy dry hopping and stuff like that. Um, the new, you know, the new way of doing things, the the very late editions of hops, that's certainly something that evolved after a couple of years of making it at the pub. You know, I was make, I made it there for eight years before we got wiped out um, and before we packaged it. So it went through a ton of iterations yeah. in those years, changing the malts, changing the hops, the times, the quantities, all of those different things. Um, it went through a lot of changes. Until I settled on what I, you know, what you tried today. Has it gone through too many iterations since you brewed it? Like with Alchemist? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm always changing things, yeah. trying new things. Uh, the way we do things now, it's easy to do that. Um, the way we blend batches, I can try something different in one batch and nobody's going to notice it except me. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, every once in a while we put little tweaks to it. There's mm -hmm. a new one coming, probably. Okay. Um, a hop is going to drop out of Hetty Topper and be replaced with something else that I think is just going to throw this beautiful new aspect to it. But nice. uh, that's going to take time. Are you at all unhappy with the success of Hetty Topper? Like, do you wish other of your beers were that popular or... Some of them kind of are. I mean, Focal Banger is, well, true. Yes. <laughs> is, a, is a pretty well-known yeah. beer and, and super successful for us. That's the, the primary beer that we brew here in uh, Stowe. But goodness, no. Yeah. I mean, that's to, to have had the success that we've had and to have had the recognition and to have the fulfillment of customers agreeing what we think is good. Is good. Yeah. Um, that's what it's all about, you know. 
to have that response. Yeah, and we we have a large selection of beer you, we make in smaller batches. You do. Batteries. That's why I wonder. Yeah. Like people just know you for like Hetty Topper. Yeah, but the, yeah. Our, you know our locals don't. You know we yeah. have locals that come in for our stout. Um, we have people that That's travel awesome. here for our stout. You yeah. know our lightweight, our pilsner. Um, we have uh, Schwartz beer right yeah. now in a can. So nice. it's a large variety of beer. Um, I think for us. We don't want to distribute more than Focal and Heady Topper because we, you know, how many, to what end? What you, how many beers are you going <laughs> to try to get stop? on the shelf? Yeah. You know, and people yeah. want something that they know is going to be consistently good. Um, and John can focus on that and picking out the hops every year. So yeah. that's just our priority. But whatever people, when they come in, they know. I mean, we've proved ourselves time and time again. People know that um, they're not really taking a risk on any of our beers that aren't heady topper they know that it's going to be dynamite and uh and worth it so you know for us that's a that's a super important thing there's a lot of breweries out there that are constantly changing and and it's a different beer yeah. every week not always the case um yeah and you know are, would you say those are the breweries that are quote unquote doing it incorrectly <laughs> Um, they're doing it differently. No, there are a lot of breweries out there that their beer is just not good. I mean, just, right. that's not a, that's not really a, a dig. That's just reality. When there are over 7,000 breweries. They're not all going to be amazing. <laughs> 50% of 7,000 is a lot more than 50% of 1,500, which right. it was 10 years ago. So yeah. there's never been more good beer, but there's never, ever been more bad beer than there is right now. Is it safe to say with the success of Hetty Topper, it's allowed you to brew things like a Pilsner, like a Schwartz beer, and give that attention to detail that maybe some other breweries don't have because they haven't they didn't catch fire and you know. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't really think about it that way. I mean, I've been brewing lagers since the since the mid '90s. You know, um, they've kind of had their day and people forgot about them and now they're having their day again. And, you know, beer in general is like that. The, the craze for super soft, um, milky looking IPAs is, I think is going to wane at some point. Um, and breweries that are really hanging their hat on that, uh, and cannot make basic styles and make them well, you know, the future is, uh, is blurry when it comes to that. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I it happens quite often. People will talk about a certain brewery, and you got to try this, got to try that, and it's like, well, give me their lightest beer, and let's see if they're good brewers. You can't know, hide if behind a pilsner or a lager. You can't <laughs> you can't hide behind a light beer and and basic styles that people think have gone by the wayside, but there's still a, a real place for it. You know. Just a good, malty, evenly hopped red ale uh, or a delicious, roasty 5% porter that's not barrel-aged and is not full of this or full of that. Just like a good, delicious, after-work kind of beer. Um, I think stuff like that is is never going to go away, but I think it will certainly have its day again, too. I think people are going to get tired of going to the store and Getting the same beer all the pulling time. It, well, or no, pulling some fancy, beautiful-looking four-pack off the shelf, and then you get home, and you're halfway through the first can, <laughs> and you're just, like, kicking yourself. Cause, yeah. Because now you got three and a half cans that you don't know what to do with. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, a, that's where we're at right now, and I just don't know how long that could last. 
And even just IPAs, all of the IPAs that you design and we make are all very different. You know, we don't have 10 IPAs that are all super soft, hazy, right. you know, juice bombs. <laughs> you know, we have holy cow IPA that we do in small batches that our locals love. And it's just a, you know, a more balanced old school IPA. It's delicious. You know, yeah. it's, it's bright and it's fresh, but it, it's not that typical New England haze bomb. So it's really nice to be able to have a selection of IPAs. For sure, for sure. Well, and the whole hazy IPA thing has really moved so far beyond us. <laughs> it um, really has. Yeah. And yeah. and what we started, it's... You guys wouldn't even be considered hazy <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pretty much. Yeah. Um, well, no, not in my book. Our beer is hazy. Yeah. True. Yeah, most, Agreed. Yeah. Most now yeah. are milky and yeah. murky <laughs> and muddy. Um, yeah. Which is a... Muddy IPA isn't as sexy as hazy, though. Uh, <laughs> on so many different levels. Yeah. Um, but... You know, it's what we started doing, and we've been interviewed about this countless times. Um, the haze was always a byproduct of the methods and the brewing practices. It was never the goal. It has become the goal. And I think that a lot of breweries are missing the mark. I think in the idea of trying to get something softer and less bitter on your palate and and creamier and juicier and all those words you want to use, I think at the same time, the drinkability has gone way down. Um, mm -hmm. I don't need to see the label. I don't even need to visually see the beer. I could sit there and drink with my eyes closed um, and can tell you right away if I'm going to like something or not. A lot of times I can smell what that beer is going to taste like before it even hits my lips. Yeah. Um, and to my palate, uh, beers like that can become very tiresome to drink. They, they fill me up. Uh, they get very um, tiresome on my palate. Kind of sweet. Very like, sweet, yeah, very yeah. coating. There's, there's no mineral structure to them. There's no pop that keeps it bright and crisp and uplifted on your palate, which leads you to desire that next drink. Yeah. That what I talked about my brother saying how thirst-quenching beer is, absolutely. Um, I find our IPAs to be very quenching. I find a lot of other IPAs to be the opposite of that. Yeah. Well, you want water like after Like, I it. need a break. <laughs> right. And I need a pint of water. Yeah. Because it's just, it's too much. Yeah. Too much of a good thing. I mean, that's, I think a lot of brewers fall into that. They, they try something that they love and that inspires them. And they think, okay, well, how am I going to make my mark? I'll take what they do and I'll turn it up. It's like, well, sure. But I've done that. I've turned it up and you realize that it's too loud and you bring it back down yeah you realize that there is too much of a good thing there is a thing as being over hopped there just is um it loses its beauty and grace and refinement and it turns into a heavy-handed um pissing contest that is just right yeah ugh. yeah <laughs> so to kind of I don't know if we're okay to change topics now. Um, you kind of very, like, you find um, environment very important. You're a Plan B, I believe, a, or a B, B company. Corp. Yeah, B Corp. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, how has that all come about? That was a plan from the beginning, or? It wasn't a plan from the beginning. Um, we became a certified B Corp a little over two years ago. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's not something you can just open up and do. It took us 16 years, wow. 14 years of doing work yeah. to be able to get there. Um, there are three marks you really have to hit. Um, and what are those your, three? It's your environmental work, your sustainability. Yeah. Um, and then it's your workplace culture, um, benefits, pay, everything like that. And then the third is your social. Um, so how you give back to your community. Um, your social impact. So it's those three areas. Um, it's a pretty intense process. It took yeah. us four to six months to get certified. Um, but there's assessments. Uh, you have to, you know, uh, provide data to back everything up. And then a couple of interviews, they come and they visit you in person. Wow. Wow. Um, and then there's a reassessment every couple of years. So you need to improve your mark all of the time. Um, and we just went through that. <laughs> yeah. We're going through or have just gone yeah. through that reassessment. Yeah. Jen's been, been working, working her now. tail off yeah. on that. And, uh, and we're improving and yeah. continuing nice. to improve. Yeah, but, you know, internally, I think we have a goal. We have a personal goal. We have a company goal to uh, be net zero, um, you know, wow. in our lifetime, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we produce more than 100% of the solar power that we need nice. in Waterbury. At this uh, facility, we're at about 50%. Uh, we hope to be at 100% um, in the coming years. Um, there are all sorts of initiatives we take, you know, um, dealing with the um, gas that we create is something we want to deal with in the future. John could talk about that more if you're interested. But we have all sorts of goals that we're... we're Has it been difficult to achieve those goals or do you find that it was a easy process? Yeah, it, it's a lot of time um, and it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but you have to be committed to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's important. You know, the three ingredients in beer... Um, all rely on a healthy climate, sure. you know, clean water, yeah. hops from the Pacific Northwest and the malt that we get from family farms in the UK. You know, they're all susceptible to drought. They're all susceptible to, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, fires, uh, flooding. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important to us. And it's also, we profit off of clean water and we profit yeah. off of malt and hops. So it's our responsibility to take care of those things. For sure. That's awesome. Um, I, you were mentioning like culture here at Alchemist. Uh, walking in, everyone super hospitable. And that, <laughs> yeah. I, that might just be a Vermont thing. We come from Massachusetts where everyone's kind of... No, Vermonters can be cold. Yeah. They can be, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that is... We don't met any yet. <laughs> that is without a doubt um, a result of our focus on the kind of business that we've wanted to build. I mean... So that, just taking the bad examples. That's not just because there's happy high people in Vermont. I mean, there's people like that all over and there's miserable people all over. Um, we have worked tirelessly to create and maintain a work culture here that we want to be a part of. Plain and simple. Um, like I said before, we learned what it was like to have a bad boss and to have good bosses. Um, we didn't want to just be good bosses. We want to be amazing bosses. And, uh, and so I think when you walk in and you see smiling faces yeah. and positive attitudes, sure. it's a direct result of what we have created and what we maintain as a workplace culture. Yeah. And, you know, we have at this point, it's taken us a long time to get here. We have all sorts of really cool benefits. We have a full time wellness director. So we have yeah, uh, I saw fitness. yoga going on. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We have fitness classes <laughs> yeah. and challenges. Awesome. Um, we have a full time cooks, uh, nice. stocked kitchens, healthy food. That stuff yeah. is all nice. But I think what really gives our um, employees um, happiness is the stability they have in their lives. You know, everyone gets a livable wage. Everyone has a livable salary. Huge. Um, everyone has a 401k, full health insurance. So Great. nobody has to stress about those things. They can be with their kids yeah. when they're sick. Um, 
They can take their family vacations and not lose pay. Awesome. And we don't take people for granted. Um, you know, we've had bosses in the past that any little thing, they're like, well, we'll just find someone get else. rid of them. We'll yeah. find someone else. Bye. You know, it's like that's, that's bullshit. And that's just not the way we, we do things. Our goal is to find quality people and keep them. You know, and you do that. It's a multifaceted task to do that. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a yeah. hard thing to do. So you keep on mentioning Waterbury. That's your heady topper factory, pretty much. Is that full time heady topper production there? Uh, we make all of our heady there. We make all of our sour beers there. We make all of our small batch specialty beers there. Um, anything barrel aged comes out of Waterbury. Um, and we have our distribution company based in Waterbury. It's nice. about ninety-five percent heady top. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. <laughs> How much is that? Um, is like half of your output right now? The heady topper. Yep, we make yeah. about nine thousand barrels a beer of wow of heady, nice, and about nine thousand barrels a year of everything else. <laughs> okay. Of which probably five or six thousand is focal bag. Yep. yep. So mm-hmm. between out of eighteen thousand. Um, what is that? 15,000 of it mm-hmm. is our two primary brands. Yeah. yeah. So Hetty Topper and, and Focal Bang are pretty much widely distributed in Vermont. Yes. Um, what is it like, though, when you see, we can even talk five, seven years ago, when you were seeing people trading Hetty Topper <laughs> and all of a sudden you see your beer in the Pacific Northwest or you see it in the UK. Mm-hmm. We so, still do. I mean, we still, um, there are bars around the country that seem to always have Hetty Topper under the counter. <laughs> um, and nice. these, these avenues still exist. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure people have beer shipped to them and they're bar owners here or there and, yeah. and they... You know, there's nothing legal about it, but there's nobody really checking. Um, but we see our beer show up all over the place. You know, you look at those those uh, beer review sites and you'll see people in Korea reviewing right. our beer <laughs> because they have friends that send it to them. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's super flattering. It's, it's something we never really envisioned um, having that level of success and that level of notoriety. Uh, it was certainly um, a pleasant surprise. It was. It was. Uh, it was a crazy time, though. It was challenging for sure. Um, you know, as many people that loved it and couldn't wait to get their hands on it, we had retailers and customers upset with us because they couldn't <laughs> get it. You know, everyone yeah. thought we were purposefully trying to control the market and not making enough, which is crazy because we were broke and we were definitely <laughs> making and selling as much beer yeah. as we could. Yeah. So it was a, it was a crazy time. It was kind of a blur. Um, you know, that whole initial heady topper craze that really, it lasted two, three years. It was just so much. Oh gosh. It, I mean, that longer. started at the pub yeah. just on a small scale, True. the early yeah. days of it when people would, would, sneak it out of the bar, yeah. oh, get a geez. pint poured and pour it into a bottle and cap it and then go wow. and trade it online and stuff like that. Oh my God. Our first ever bottle release, I hand bottled 600 bottles of Hetty Topper Damn. just to see what the response would be. And there was a line down the street the day we started selling it. Um, oh, so, I mean, that was in 2006, 2007. I can remember being at the bar and that guy came in from Florida. We opened up, I had set out that we were releasing a fresh batch of Hetty Topper on Twitter. And uh, the next day he was there and he was from Florida. He bought a ticket when he saw the tweet. And oh, my God. And flew in specifically to sit at the bar all day and drink <laughs> Hetty. 
So I think wow. that was an early indicator. Is like, you oh. wait, you just flew from Florida just to drink this <laughs> beer? He's I, like, hell yeah. So I have to ask this: Is there a beer in the world that you guys would, would fly, fly and wait in line for? Maybe Teddy or Foco. <laughs> yes, yes. Depends on That's how long awesome. it had been since I uh, had had one, but. But yeah. How do you feel about people lining up? Obviously, as a business person, you must love it. It's good supply and demand. You get to create an amazing culture for employees and have them with the success of it. But as a person, how do you feel about lines and the exclusivity and the hype of certain beers? Um, I mean, generally, there's people in line for a reason, you know? Yeah. Um, they might line up once, but if they get burned, they're not going to line up again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with that said, there's a lot of people out there that have pretty questionable palates, but <laughs> ex- ext- very high levels of enthusiasm, um, which you can't really complain about. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's just an opportunity to educate, really. You know, if they have the enthusiasm, that's, that's what you want. Um, but I do love getting one-on-one tasting with people sometimes that really think they know what they're tasting. And then I kind of tear all that stuff down <laughs> for them. And the next time I see them, they say, oh, geez, you kind of ruined, ruined all these other beers for me because now I taste all those yeah. flaws that you yeah. told me about and pointed out. So, you know, I think, like I said before, there's never been more mediocre beer and there's never been more great beer. Um, it's a matter of an obligation to educate the masses and try to teach them what they're tasting and yeah. what they should be tasting and what they shouldn't be tasting. Yeah, there's a lot of uneducated beer drinkers that in the world. consider themselves experts. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because you can, you can put your opinion out for the world to see right. in an instant, and somehow that gives them the... And you get a thousand likes. The validation <laughs> that, right. oh, I must know what I'm talking right. about. It's like, well, maybe. <laughs> I, th- I think it was a point in time when these... Um, beer releases and the long lines were new and they were fresh you know i think they were actually fun to go to they were fun i think like 2008 (laughs) through 2012 that's also when people started having their little phones on them all the time and doing all these networking things and i think it was enjoyable and i think back to our truck sales when we were doing those after we closed down our first retail shop we made them fun they were an event you know john would pour tasters and there'd be food and we'd have live music um and I don't know if the, I feel like those days have passed. Now it's more like you go stand in line, you're getting a beer to buy it and trade it. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not so much a thing. It's like work. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a new social outlet for people. Yeah. And it was a new community of people that were into the same thing. Um, and those truck sales were a lot of fun. They're a ton of work, but man, they were fun. You know, we'd put a keg in a little red wagon and when everybody's standing in line 20 minutes before we'd start selling, we'd start working our way down the line and just pouring, oh, awesome. pouring free pints for people. Nice. Yeah. And people would be blown away, like, oh, my God, this is free? It's like, yeah, of course. Thanks for showing up. You know, yeah. it was just a good time. Music, food. Do we, you, people uh, would show up with grills. Like our, <laughs> our friend Jeff. It's like Jeff. a tailgate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so Our awesome. friend Jeff, um, at the time, we didn't really know who he was, but he was a cousin of, of one of our good employees and uh he just showed up with a grill and started making breakfast sandwiches for people 
I was like, who's that guy over there? And Joel's like, that's my cousin. It's like, huh? Where's my ham and right, egg sandwich? Right. <laughs> it's still a crazy thing. I still can't believe we got away with having these track sales and empty parking yeah. lots. I yeah. <laughs> it was desperate times. Yeah. We had this beer. We had to have a way to sell it. Oh, we were used forced to, to close our yeah, retail used shop. to pull up a truck, open the back, and sell stolen speakers out of the back. But <laughs> now we're selling beer nice. legitimately. Yeah. Uh, Do you... Um, do you miss ever that, like the pub that you used to have? Um, do you ever wish you all still had a restaurant? That's like or? wishing you were still in high school. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. Like you remember the five <laughs> fun days of high yeah, school. Yeah, right. Think, that was a lot of that fun. That was cool. But, but you forget, the rest of it was shit. <laughs> yeah, forget the other 99% yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, having the pub was, uh, I think, we talk about that a lot. That was kind of your background, we, so. We have no interest yeah. in ever getting back into that business. But there yeah. were a lot of fun times, too. Yeah. You know, the social side of it, the, mm -hmm. the when you would open and I'd come up out of the brewery and I've been brewing all day and I'd get to sit there with those first 20 customers and have a beer. And Jen would come in. She had been home with Charlie all day and <laughs> we'd switch off. And I'd, you know, yeah, those hours, those happy hours, those were a lot of fun. But yeah. like anything, it, it, it gets old, you know, For sure. you, yeah. you see the dark side of that as well. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you see yeah. the people that are there every day and you see you know that they got kids sitting at home or they got a spouse at home mm -hmm. and here they are mm -hmm. so you know that but, side of it got hard but it was the perfect way for us to start the alchemist it was the only way yeah you, know, you don't was it the only way because of rules and regulations in the state of vermont or just the only way to financially do it 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 was no it was our way to um connect with the community, cool. um, build our, our name, yeah. our brand, our following, build a good staff, and just grow organically. Um, well, it's the only know, way we, we just, could do it, too, if you, if I mean, you just, financially. Yeah, if you just enter the market, though, with a beer and put it on a shelf, people don't know anything about you. So it was a really great way for people to learn about us before we put something on yeah. the shelf. Sure. We, be, we became an important part of our community and uh, a, a, a social place for people to come and meet and and our we were there constantly you know so it was one and the same the alchemist mm -hmm. was jen and john you know um and that's that's key you mm -hmm. know that's how you get people's loyalty and they um they understand that you're not just there to to make a buck yeah you're there because you're part of the community and you're you're actively giving back to the community and a lot of the employees we had 16 years ago are still with us today. That's so awesome. That's really cool. That's, that's really awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. you, you mentioned Charlie Papazian uh, earlier. Have you been able to share a pint of Hetty Topper with him? Um, have I had? No, I haven't had a Hetty with Charlie. I've met him several times. Um, we've had wonderful conversations. Uh, no, because every time I see him, I'm traveling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he hasn't been here. So, Charlie, you're listening. Come. Yeah. Come on, Charlie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I think he was at the pub once, but we were out of town. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? I do. See, I that's like a bummer. Jeff yeah. Lang met with him or something. Oh, that is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so where did the name um, Alchemist come from? Um, I'm sure it wasn't your first idea. Or maybe it was. Uh, maybe it, was. <laughs> it, it blossomed out of uh, the alchemic symbol. Which our our logo that yep. symbol is the alchemic symbol for fermentation, cool. Okay. And that was an original small detail in the Vermont Pub and Breweries overall logo. 
um, which is where Jen and I met and where my first paid brewing job. And sitting at the bar one day with Greg, and I pointed to it. I said, Greg, what is that symbol? And he explained to me what it was, and it just stuck in our brains. And, uh, and so years later, the alchemist, you know, we didn't want to be Waterbury Brewing Company. Yeah. We wanted to be, we wanted to have a name, you know, a place. And uh, so the alchemist, once that came out of our mouths, it was pretty immediate. We said, yes, that's the name. That's I think we rolled name. it around. We probably said it out loud a couple hundred times in the car. <laughs> yeah. The alchemist. The alchemist. Yeah. The alchemist. Were there any concerns with that name? You know, it was like, does it, t- does is it, it roll tongue twisted? Right, yeah, yeah. right. And then we're like, no, because people would say alchemist. And, you know, it was a long, a lot of conversation. Yeah. We discuss everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, and the name Hetty Topper, where did that come from? I mean, uh, that was a moment of inspiration watching the sunset <laughs> on our front porch after our kid had gone to bed. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, enjoying what we tend to enjoy here in Vermont and we're just rolling names around beer names this and that we had all somewhere that little notebook I was just thinking of that the other day we have a little green spiral notebook that had addresses in it and all these things and one of those pages in there is a list from that afternoon of uh, beer names we've moved a couple of times we just rebuilt our house and so eventually we're going to go through everything in storage and i'm pretty confident that we'll find that notebook and uh that'll be a cool cool page to have because there's like there'll be a cool piece of art there's like five or six different beer names that we had written down on that on that page and hetty topper was one of them did hetty topper almost be called something else that nope 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 hetty topper the name came before the beer okay um it's a it's a it's a conglomeration of two different terms for yeah. high-grade weed. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> Think it as the, much. <laughs> the two of them, it just, when you said the two words together, there was just something Makes about sense. it that clicked. It was yeah. like, that's a great name. Like, yeah. I don't know what beer that's going to be, <laughs> but that's a great name. Yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, you, you, you're mentioning uh, the social media aspect and those awesome, awesome air quote sites that you can be a beer expert untapped or beer advocate um what's your opinion of them do you hate them do you love them do you have any value in your brewery oh my gosh i mean beer advocate was um had such a huge part in our um gaining and notoriety yeah yeah i mean that was it would have taken us years longer to get where we are without that instant spread of knowledge and reputation yeah you know so i mean we owe uh, a ton to to uh uh, a groundbreaking site like beer advocate i mean they were one of the first and that was a big deal and it was really wild the first time we got on there and we see all these things (laughs) um and it's funny it was i don't know what year it was it's maybe 2000 13 that I went down to Nashville and did that talk at that homebrewer conference and we're standing around drinking and this guy comes up to me with my phone he says you know Hetty Topper's the number one beer on untapped and I said what's untapped (laughs) (laughs) and he looked at me he's like are you kidding he's like you don't know what you have like over 100,000 reviews on this site and I said I have no idea what it is so that was that you know I mean that was the next one that came along and and that kind of changed it again and turned yeah. it into a much more instant instantaneous thing yeah you know uh, but beer advocate the 
you know, the way it originally was set up, it was uh, you were required to use certain number of words right. in your review. You couldn't right. just be like, ah. Three. I like, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. that's what I think we see a lot of that problem with Untapped. People just go three. Not a fan of a pilsner. It's like, well, that's that is no value. They don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't write it. Why are you doing this? You. Yeah. It's yeah. like um, I hate beans. These beans are terrible. It's like, well, no, to you they are, but to the person sitting next to you that loves beans, they're yeah. the best beans they've ever had. Right. You know. Yeah. So yeah, there's some of that um, that instantaneous. Um, I think a lot of there's groupthink that goes along there. Mm -hmm. uh, people are afraid to stand out from the crowd, which seems odd in the generation that wants to say, hey, look at me. Um, but at the same time, they don't want to be perceived as being wildly out of uh, sync with everybody else. I think uh, that creates that atmosphere of people rolling through and being like, oh, everybody else has given this a four. I'm going to give this a four. Mm -hmm. yeah. Instead of, uh, there should almost be a way that it's a blind result until you review it, and then you see where your review comes in with everybody else. Yeah. You know, so but whatever. You know, I mean, it's all it's all good because it all promotes beer. True. We've always um, tried to use it um, as a resource, but not use it too much either. You know, I think it's for any brewer, brewer, brewery to say they don't look at reviews. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like an actor not watching his or her movie. Right. Um, so we look at them. But of course, you know, when you have thousands and thousands of reviews, there's always some you're not going to like. But it's good for getting a general picture and getting feedback. For sure. Let's, let's talk about the Vermont beer scene. Uh, Stowe itself has a number of breweries in this location. Um, do you feel competition or does competition really not exist in this area? I mean, there's competition, but... Yeah. We don't focus on competition. We just do what we do. You know, we're, we've grown so organically over such a long period of time that we're at a really sweet spot right now. You know, our beer is throughout Vermont, but it's nowhere else. Um, we do do some shipments um, to other places during our off season, um, but we're down to like three or four a year. So, you know, we're happy. Yeah. Um, for us... Um, whether it was when Hetty Topper first took off and we had huge lines every day or where we are now, we just focus on what we're doing. Um, you know, making the best beer we can, providing the best service we can. Um, we still distribute most of the beer we make ourselves, our drivers. So um, it's keeping we, people employed. Yeah. yeah. So we just, we just focus on what we do best and we keep our heads down. Yeah. Um, we don't spend too much time worrying about the competition. What is the best time to visit? Vermont this, or the Alchemist? Visit the Alchemist, yeah. Whenever. I mean, okay. it, it, do you want to stand in line or do you want to <laughs> come during the off-season and, and walk right in and have so a So what is the nice off-season, though? Because I feel like for me, I don't know, I feel like it would be busy now. But I guess it's not as busy now? No, or? November and the beginning of December is off-season. Okay. And then again in May, the beginning of June. Um, winter, this is a great time to be course, here during yeah. the week. Yeah. On the weekends, it's really, really busy. Apres Skiing. Ski, we yeah. have a long line. I okay. mean, it's great. It's fun to come in. We have live music downstairs. Oh, nice. But if you can be here midweek this time of year and be able to ski and not have lines at the slopes, <laughs> this is a, yeah. just a great Optimum time to be here. I mean, yeah. Sure, a Tuesday, a, a cold Tuesday in Vermont in January, <laughs> it doesn't really Perfect timing, draw really. crowds <laughs> for the weather. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Do you um, have any plans whatsoever to distribute into some neighboring states on a full scale? No. Not at all. We, we just can't. Um, 
nor would we. Uh, we don't have the beer to do it. We don't have any intention on increasing production to do that. So it's important to support the, the state first. Absolutely. We yeah. do send some beer to Gillette. We started doing that in yeah, the last that, year yeah. just because it's cool. Yeah, it's it really is cool. A tiny <laughs> bit of beer that we send for their yeah. carts. But we are so yeah. excited to be at the... Uh, Rolling Stones this summer and be able to drink a focal. <laughs> that was, was really, cool. really cool. Yeah. I yeah, gotta that's say, cool you know, I mean, that's like you send a pallet, and uh, and it'll last, you know, like one game for them, oh, geez, yeah. which is great. It's uh, we like telling this story. So when Gillette was first after us to send beer down there, that's um, a cool feeling, Gillette to be after you. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and we had been turning them down for a couple of seasons, and then finally it was like, all right, I think we think we can do this now. So. So they, of course, like any big corporate um, event place, they have contracts with big brewers yeah. for all their stands. So yeah. the way they sell craft beer is at four carts. So it's like a little, you know, it's like a rolling cart that you go right. to in an event. And uh, they have like seven or eight different craft beers there. So our first time we sent it, they said, okay, why don't you send 20 cases and we'll be able to put five cases at each cart and we'll see how that goes. And we said, we could, but I mean, why would we send 20 cases? A pallet's 80. Right. Like, uh, we've, you're going to go you're through pretty this much, I think you're going to go through <laughs> yeah. this. And they're like, okay, we'll take the chance. So we sent the 80 case. And so there are 20 cases at each cart. And the person we had been working with through this whole thing um, emailed us. Uh, 15 minutes before kickoff and the beer was gone. Oh Holy my God. Shit. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So it was definitely satisfying because nice. they were like, I don't know if we can sell 20 yeah, cases. Yeah. It's like, I think you're going to sell 20 cases and then some. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, I mean, like Jen said, when we were at that Rolling Stones concert, I don't know if I could have needed a or wanted a focal banger worse <laughs> right. than when we walked in right. and saw that card. It's like, yes. <laughs> that is so cool. So that's a incredible situation but talk about seeing maybe your gear out in the wild for the first time you know someone wearing an alchemist t-shirt or or hoodie was that a that must have been an awesome moment too oh sure all that stuff the first time you see stuff like that it's really cool and and uh you know people friends whoever traveling around and you get random pictures like look what's behind the bar in (laughs) costa rica (laughs) cool yeah that's awesome or when we found out that that Remember in uh, Korea, somebody tried to trademark or take the name Hetty Topper. Oh my God! Like as one word, what? like they were gonna brew a beer and call it Hetty oh, Topper. Well, yeah, in a bar, a beer bar opened up in Vietnam called The Alchemist, and we go to their website, and it looks just—it's our website. Oh my oh. God! It's our art, like it's everything. our art, everything. And we contacted them, and they said, "Oh, this person." from Vermont sold us this startup <laughs> company. <advertising>. So <laughs> close. Oh, Some marketing person said, I've got this great idea yeah. for your bar. Here's the art. Yeah. Here's the name. They'll never and find they out. Did it. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's funny though, 30 years ago, nobody would have probably ever found out, but now with like the power oh, sure. of yeah. social media. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a young man, I think he was like 22, last year he tried to start a brewery in Georgia called the alchemist and we said oh you can't do this you know we're the alchemist and he said oh no no you can't legally trademark the alchemist but we've been using it so working with our lawyer and this young man says well i'll drop it if you buy my company for twenty thousand dollars oh my god yeah (laughs) i mean this crazy stuff happens all the time well that was his plan his plan was probably to do this yeah 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 i think a really cool part for me having um i mean having been a 
deadheads for a long time and into fish and into music in general, I, I think it's super cool now to see the way our beers have been um, accepted into um, counterculture. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like when I see people will send us T-shirts that they buy on tour, like Hetty Dabber. Yeah. And uh, like all these different these different takes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hetty Dropper. That's oh, another yeah, one. Yeah. And uh, nice. they they alter our artwork and they print these T-shirts and sell yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. It's yeah. not the kind of thing that we would ever care about because how could you ever complain right. about marketing like that right. for somebody to be it's like free marketing for you? Ah, yeah. it's so cool. That and cool. and yeah. what a great place to uh, to be a part of that. You yeah. Know? In a parking lot at a at a kick-ass store or whatever, at a, at a fish yeah, show and, yeah. And everybody's uh, walking around drinking headies and vocals. It's cool. <laughs> that is super that is cool. cool. Pushing a skateboard around with a cooler on it, selling <laughs> yeah, yeah, heady yeah. toppers. <laughs> Where does the um, artwork come from? Was that something that you guys created on your own, or did you hire someone? We have a full-time in-house art director, yeah. so she makes a lot of the original artwork we have. It's our hop probably art iconic is, at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah. our label art, the heady topper and yeah. vocal banger, was created by a guy named Dan Blakesley, and some other art we have mm-hmm. um, are, are rapture. John met Holy Dan. Cow. Holy cow. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jess does a great job incorporating it with our branding idea. and yeah. our hop yeah. artwork. But John met uh, Dan at a coffee shop in Burlington years ago. You you could tell the story. Yeah, it was yeah. just perchance. I was at the Vermont Brewers Fest. This was before we had the Alchemist. Um, so I was just going to drink. We didn't have a brewery. Um, and my niece, one of my nieces was in town, and she was 20, 20 so... I had a designated driver. Yeah. <laughs> so before the festival, we went to the coffee shop up in Burlington, Muddy Waters, and we're just sitting there. I was having a beer, a little pregame, and I looked over and I just see this guy sitting by himself, hunched over his notepad, sketching. Yeah. And I tend to be a nosy when it comes <laughs> to stuff like that. So I kind of walked by and I looked and it really caught my eye. It was so unique. And I just sat down and introduced myself and said, can I see what you're drawing? Because that is awesome, you know? And so we just struck it off and had a nice relationship. And I said, my wife and I are opening a brew pub. And man, would you ever help design a a logo or labels or anything like that? And he was into it. And uh, so that's where that began. And we started designing our original pub window artwork, the, the, the stuff that was on our windows and on our coasters. And then, as if we had a couple bucks and we had the the means to do it, we started designing individual beer labels, which which we didn't even use. We would we would I would print them up when the beer went on tap. We'd just print them on eight and a half by eleven paper yeah. and just hang it up around the pub, <laughs> yeah. just to be like, hey, look what's yeah. on tap yeah. and look at this cool yeah. artwork. Yeah. And it wasn't until we started packaging beer that we uh, then took that and created actual labels with the art. Yeah, maybe do some T-shirts, table right, pants, things like right. that. Yeah, but when it's funny. I remember that night we laid out the can for Hetty Topper. It was like on the floor of our living room, and we just took that artwork and just slapped it on there. John wrote up the yeah. description of the beer. We edited edited it together, <laughs> and you know, submitted it. Um, we put on there, of course, drink from the can, which didn't. You know, there was some thought that went into it, yeah. not as much as people um, people really <laughs> want to hear, really or, yeah. talk yeah. about. For oh my gosh! <laughs> Next forever. I've gotten in arguments yeah, about seriously. it. I don't know why. Oh, I'll win that argument no, yeah. every time, dude. It it it, <laughs> it, 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 it continues to be uh, frustrating for me when I hear people say stuff like, "I pour my glass, I pour my beer in a glass the way it's supposed to be drank." Blah blah blah. <laughs> Proper glassware. Sorry. 
I, I mean, sure, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. But if you're going to talk about which is superior to the other, it's, it's not even a conversation. It is far superior to drink your beer directly out of the can. A beer like an IPA, to, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pointless to even argue about it. All you I have agree. to do is take a can of beer, pour it in a glass, and then open another can of that exact same beer and start drinking them back and forth. And when you get to the end of that beer, when you get to the end of the last drink out of that can and the last sip out of that glass, it is no contest which is better. No contest. All right. Your last three ounces of a poured beer, unless you drink that beer in under a minute or two, the last four ounces are going to be a shadow of what the first four ounces were. All the beauty and grace and everything <laughs> is obliterated and it tastes like any other beer. You heard it here, beer nerds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here's another challenge for you, anybody out there that wants to try this. Pour your beer. Pour half of it in a glass, you know, as though that was your beer. Mm-hmm. And you're only going to have one beer that night. And then you take that other half and you just set it down and you come back to those in an hour. I mean, come on. That poured beer That's is going to taste challenge. like garbage. Yeah. And your can is going to be fantastic like you just opened it. And, and you know, I... It takes an effort to control yourself with beer sometimes. And, yeah. and if I'm only having one beer in a night, I want to make it last. And you can make that can last. You could take your last sips two hours later, and it's still going to be delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So the point is, if you're going to pour your beer, drink it fast. Right. <laughs> yes, chug it. Chug it. Yes. <laughs> or pour it in little bits. You yeah. Know? Like, we yeah. have these beautiful glasses that we use for our tours and I guess it's a whiskey glass. You've probably seen them. Little snippers, um, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful glass. It's so enjoyable to pour like a three-ounce pour, and boop, you drink it. Yeah. yeah. And then 20 minutes later, you pour another little three-ounce pour, and boom, you have four nice little yep. pours of beer instead of that wonk. You put the whole can into well, a glass. It's warm and yeah. it's, sure oxidized. Yeah, I mean, my God. You, and, yeah. And the CO2 is just stripping all of the beauty of the hops yeah. out of the beer. Yeah. You're smelling it, but you're you're at the expense of taste. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to ask you guys a little bit more like personal questions. We've talked a ton about Hetty, we've talked a ton about Alchemist, and I'm sure we could talk for hours more, but <laughs> yeah. uh, what's in your fridge at home beer-wise? <laughs> Focal banger. <laughs> nice. Focal banger. But we had some Japanese friends in town. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Um, they brought us a couple of beers. These um, uh, Verite is a brewery in Japan, and I met these guys last year when they stopped by, and, and um, which is such a cool aspect of our business and of being the alchemist that you have brewers from all around the world that come to visit us and search us out. Um, it's very flattering, and it's just the coolest thing yeah. Yeah. to make these relationships yeah. all around the world. Um, awesome. So, yeah, they brought us a couple of cans of their beer, and, you know, of course, one of them is in New England. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got my fingers crossed on that. I think yeah. we, might, we might try that one tonight. Nice. Um, Do you like that term, New England IPA? I, people, uh, whatever. I mean, people, yeah. people just, it's innate human trait they need to classify and, and yeah. quantify and everything else um i guess so to me i mean it's ipa ipa is IPA. i um i think that that whole term has moved beyond what we do 
Mm, I mean, yeah, we talked about I that mean, earlier. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the influence that we have had on the industry when it comes to that is mind-blowing at times. Um, but like I said earlier, it's people push it in crazy directions yeah. that we just never would. So I think that what it has become defined as now, no, I think we're IPA. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw your office earlier, and I saw a lot of Schlitz memorabilia. Is that a guilty pleasure beer for you, or what is your guilty pleasure beer? I like I like all kinds of beer. Um, I definitely there's definitely a place and time for beer like Schlitz. Generally, hockey games <laughs> when they're 24 ounce cans, and you just yeah. you can't get enough of them. Um, but uh, no, I just I'm also just a big fan of Breweriana. I love really cool collectible beer stuff. Yeah. Um, that's something that I think has gone away. Uh, that we hope someday to have the ability and the financial ability to make our own brewery on it when it comes to that. I mean, you only ever saw that from big breweries yeah. with a ton of money yeah. that could afford to go out and have a custom-made lamp and make <laughs> 10,000 of them to give right. out to their accounts. Right. You know, right. I mean, that, that kind of luxury is hard to come by, but but we've had many conversations about being able to do that. I mean, what a yeah. cool thing to make. You know, now with our foundation, we we've had conversations of how could we mix that into that so yeah it would cost a lot to have some of this stuff made and created but at the same time you could you're not going to sell it because it will cost too much but you start doing it to raise money for the foundation and then it really the collectability of it there'd only be 10 of them you know if you get some cool heady topper lamp I'm looking forward to a lamp I mean (laughs) how cool would it be to own one of those and then a hundred years from now when People are sitting around watching Antique Roadshow. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and they start pulling stuff like that. And they're like, oh, this is a brewery That's that so was popular cool. 150 years ago. And they're still in business today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Do you awesome. have uh, guilty pleasure beer, though, any, John? Gosh. Guilty? I mean, I don't feel guilty about drinking <laughs> beer unless yeah. it's like before 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a little guilty. Yeah, I don't think I have a guilty pleasure beer. I don't. That's Negroni awesome. is your guilty pleasure, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Too much uh, gin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if you were faced with your last meal, what would oh, be your what, what would <laughs> be it. your my, it. food my, and beer pairing? My electric chair meal. Yeah, that's with beer. What I call with it. beer. Um, uh, like a just a, a, a ham dinner, like ham right. and warm <laughs> buttery rolls and applesauce and uh, like some good crispy potatoes. And what would be the beer with? And it? then you can just hook me up and kill me. <laughs> no beer. Uh, I don't really drink beer when I eat. Okay. Um, it was your last would, meal. You wouldn't want one? I'd probably want something stronger than beer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Beer would be in the mix, though. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, shit. Sure, I'd take a heady and a ham dinner. Ham I dinner. <laughs> well, you know, I don't like ham, but I'm going to have to go ham dinner, too, because I'd want to be with John. Oh, that's cute. Cool. Two for one at the electric chair. Yeah, there right you there. go. Uh, <laughs> what a deal. So I, I think uh, a lot of our listeners probably know where you guys are located. But for those who don't, 
Can you please let us know where you're physically located and on social? Yeah. Where we can find you guys. Yeah. We are at 100 Cottage Club Road in Stowe, Vermont, and our website is alchemistbeer.com. Social- Planet Earth. Yeah. And social media is the same. <laughs> social media. Um, John, do you know that uh, it's Alchemist B? At Alchemist Beer with the three, E's three are all yeah. backwards E's. Oh, God. It, it always funny, throws me off. There's, there's, a really, technical <laughs> yeah. there's a really funny story about that. Actually, I'll do it really quick because yeah. I know we're running Please out do. of time. No, I'm excited. So <laughs> we were at um, the Firestone Walker Festival in 2015. Jen and I flew out to California, and it, every once in a while, we'll do like an odd festival wherever you know and it it doesn't you know it's never going to be our market but they're just kind of fun and we love california so we went and our friend glenn at the time says hey i set up instagram for you here's your username and password and i was like what the hell is instagram (laughs) forgot all about it and then we opened in 2016 and our employee that was setting up our instagram was like it's been taken unbeknownst to us (laughs) He sets it up, and then a couple weeks later, I was like, why is it Alchemist Beer with threes? He said, because Alchemist Beer was taken. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And I totally <laughs> forgot about it. And it was months later, I told my friend Glenn. He's like, you dumbass. I set it up for you. I gave you the password, everything. And at that point, we already had like 80,000 followers. Right, yeah. So it was like, nah. Yeah. Oh, well. So we own both of those, but we only use the one with the threes. That's really funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Go yeah. figure. That's why Good. you should always have young people around. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I should write shit down. Yeah. Don't tell me something Either at a beer way. festival <laughs> right? when I'm in California because yeah. I'm not going to remember. <laughs> That's awesome. So our last question, we always end with this question, Erica. Yeah. What are you most proud of? It's as vague as you want it to be. Just, yeah. Or as open-ended. I, or, I, yeah, as open-ended, like whatever. What are we most... I, go ahead. You go first. I think we've just agreed. The impact that we have on our community and yeah. our employees and yeah. all the lives we get to touch. For sure. Changes. Yeah, what we've built. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Well, not in the literal sense, but... Figurative. Yeah, what you've been able to us. do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. our son, Charlie. Aww. Oh, Char. <laughs> How old's Charlie? He's 15. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, nice. So does he scrub tanks here or no? <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> no. No. Um, Any he, interest in the family business? He scrubs, no? he scrubs away the enemies from the landscape of destiny when he's on oh, his place. Yes. <laughs> he likes to do deliveries. Yeah. That, that's oh, what yeah. he likes. Yes. He, cool. he, that is the one job around here that he loves to do and would do at any time. Yeah. Would be go out that's in the hilarious. truck and deliver beer. Have He's you, good at it, too. Yeah. Have you ever done a homebrew with him or a brew with him? No. No, he has zero interest in that. <laughs> zero interest. Really? He's, yeah, he's kind of a prude. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> it's kind of anti-beer. Yeah. It's all right. It was, it's we have it's that good. conversation, yeah. too. We take yeah. that yes. every time over the alternative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I'd awesome. rather have him than have me right. and what I did when I was 15. So. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Well, guys, thanks again. This Thank honestly, you so much. For me, when I started this, you guys were such a, a dream to interview. So I'm pumped to even have you guys on and for sure. spend a little bit of time with us today. So thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, Until next time. Yeah, until next time. Cheers. 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 Keep drinking beer. Bye. All right, guys. That was an awesome interview. Yeah, it was awesome. Learned a lot. Um, it, you know, it's not just about Hetty Topper, as we learned. Uh, which is super Isn't cool. Isn't it just about Hetty Topper? It really isn't. They do a lot of other really good stuff. 
So yeah, yeah. So thanks to uh, John and John from The Alchemist for joining us. Uh, if you make your way up to Stowe, Vermont, make sure you stop in there. We gave you a little bit of an insider tip on when to go. So listen back again if you didn't hear it, but definitely go at the days that John and Jen suggest because you won't wait in line as long. Exactly. Or there won't be a line at all. Which <laughs> is even I mean, don't go on a Saturday? Well, well, we didn't say that, but we did say go up there and enjoy it because there's a lot of other cool breweries that you guys are going to hear more episodes from this season. For sure. Um, coming up. Oh, I keep on saying seasons. We're on chronological episodes now, but whatever. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, we're going to be short and brief because we have a party to get to tonight. So hopefully all of our listeners are on the way, all 1,550 of you. That's yeah. what I'm guessing we're going to get yeah. for this episode. Just, guess, sure. just a guess. Just a guess. Um, yeah, but we hope to see you guys at East Regiment tonight starting at 7 p.m. That's February 7th at 7 p.m. Uh, East Regiment. Yeah. Special beer that we made, ESB, also called? Extra special bathtub beer? Extra no, sexy extra bathtub beer. Oh, damn it, so Extra close. sexy bathtub God. beer. And... Uh, yeah, we'll see you there. Pobos and Bye will be there as well, slanging some good food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next week, who do we have on? Stone Man. <laughs> We're not kidding. We have the Stone Man on. The Stone Man. Uh, yeah. And you may not have had the Stone Man's beer. You probably haven't, actually. Yeah, you probably haven't, but I will say it's great. It's solid. Yeah. The the story of getting there, we It's have, an amazing story. I am just so excited to talk about it in the intro next week. We can't I'm wait. Not, I'm really not. <laughs> if you've seen the memes of remember the time we got lost in the woods, that story will be explained next Stay week. Stay tuned. So, um, until next week, uh, cheers and here's to 100 more. Cheers. cheers.